What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. I'm Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good friend JW Crewall. And today we are actually a tag team trio joined by the Arceus to our Dialga and Palkia trainer, Chip Ritchie. Guys, how's it going today? We were going to go with uh, the Igglybuff to the, the Jigglypuff and Cleffa. Or... That was actually something I was like heavily debating when I was getting dinner today is which one I should go with. But I wasn't sure which Pokemon for the babies I would assign to each person. <laughs> I see. Yeah, it's, it's really definitely a... Whereas like a the Arceus decision. is like an right. easy choice for the guest. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I thank you guys for having me on. I uh, enjoy y'all's podcast a lot. And so, yeah, thank you so much for asking me. I uh, love getting to do stuff like this. That's yeah, it's awesome. great to have you. Yeah, we're super excited to have you as well. What's been going on, man? How you been doing? I've been good. Uh, we obviously just wrapped up stuff with Players Cup 2, which I had the opportunity to cast, um, which I loved getting to do. Uh, great to work with all those guys. And then, uh, you know, I love every opportunity I get to cast. Um, and yeah, we saw some good games. Actually, some like, I mean, we <clears throat> a lot of people, I think the format gets kind of a bad rap and the format's definitely not in the best place compared to past standard formats. But even all that considered, I think we did see some like really fun and exciting and some like pretty high level play games um yeah absolutely. i remember like we get a game specifically that sticks out to me is jerry uh sorry zach lesage versus diego casiraga which are two like great players obviously and um yeah that, that game specifically was just really really good i remember distinctly uh, yeah, there was a i don't know if you weren't casting this game so i don't know if you watched it it was zach lesage versus the baby lecephalon and zach was in like a horrible position but he built up this really interesting game plan where he almost managed to come back like six to one versus baby blounds. It was insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't watch that game, but th that's kind of the similar situation to the Diego game where Diego had like a really, it was one of those games where he never altered creation GX. Zach had <laughs> taken five prizes. Things just looked really bad. Um, and then Diego drops his Mawile GX. Ooh. See that Zach has like three supporters and one other card in hand. He goes Metal Saucer Attach Big Eater GX with oh, Mawile. No. Oh no! It was just it, it caught Jeremy and me both completely off guard because who the heck has ever used Big Eater <laughs> no GX? One. Seriously, like, <laughs> that's crazy. It was it, it, Diego still ended up losing that game, but it put him in a position where he like feasibly could have made the six to one comeback. And wow, that's yeah, awesome. Really cool. Yeah. So I would like to dig more into that. Would you say that was your favorite moment from the Players' Cup that you had a chance to cast, or was there some other great highlights that came out of it? Uh, no, definitely that. I mean, it's just I, stuff like that specifically. Like, I think those are the type of things that separate, you know, good players from, like, amazing top-tier players, which Diego obviously is. Like, seeing... Like, it's very easy to, like, have practiced with your ADP deck and say, like, okay, I'm going to do this, do this, alter mm -hmm. creation, boss, boss game, um, all that. But then whenever things don't go according to plan, it's, like, the incredible players that can still find positions to, like, even though Diego didn't actually win that game, he, like, gave himself the best, you know, chance. Like, he's playing to that, like, 0.1% that he'd actually be able to come back. So I always think that those type of things are always my favorite uh, moments. Yeah. That's Not awesome. For sure. That's awesome. Um, so you, you know, obviously have been doing casting for how many years now? So officially for Pokemon, uh, my first event I casted was in January, which was okay. 
either Dallas or Collinsville. Yeah. I don't remember which yeah. one. Honestly, the first three months of this year are just kind of a blur. It's like a time <laughs> that didn't really happen. It feels like I almost, agree. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what happened in January and February. But I got to <laughs> yeah. cast uh, those two events. And those were the first ones with Pokemon. But I've yeah. been yeah. casting uh, the grassroots stuff with like Critical Hit. Right. right. Um, mainly Critical Hit, but like with other, you know, casting groups as well. Um, sure. For... Uh, two years or so probably since like okay. 20 the 2018 season um like the end of that i started doing that but even before that i was like uh uh recording like my local league cups and league challenges and putting them on my youtube channel so uh and that probably would have been in like the 2017 season so sure. pretty much for about almost as long as i've been playing the game that's something that really interests me was casting yeah sure what uh what are some things that you've learned over the last you know three or so years that you've been casting i mean i'm always ever ever, after every single event i like will watch some of my games that i casted and like be able to pick out like so many things that i feel like i like said that just sounded stupid or like (laughs) uh, something that always sticks out to me that i i feel like when we're talking and recording i'm like never saying um but like every so often i still like will hear myself say a little um and it just sounds so bad and i hate it and it's like realistically it's not that big of a deal because like especially like compared to like sports casting like this is a much more like games casting is supposed to feel like a little bit more laid back of an experience and especially i think with like these online events making it feel kind of like you know you're you and your co-caster are just kind of hanging out with the audience watching this game play out um so it's like not that big of a deal but like I think not to like overly nitpick, but also just to like still always be looking to improve and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that's the biggest thing is just like always looking for ways to like make myself better. No, I know for sure. I know sometimes I'll listen back to the podcast and I'll hear myself say, um, and I'm like, oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? Or, or having the same kind of intro to yeah. what you're talking about, you know, like, and here they're going to do, or, you know, and here I, yeah. I find myself doing those kind of same sentence structures yes. to try to get back into. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. I totally know what you're talking about. So, you know, you, ha- you started off as more of a player slash content creator and kind of ch- progressively filled that commentator role. And now officially a commentator for Pokemon. I mean, commentating the grand finals of players cup two, that's insanely cool. Like, that's really awesome. Yeah. So what did that growth path look like for you? If there's anyone listening right now who's interested in potentially building themselves up to commentating, what would your recommendations be to them all that path? Yeah. So I get asked about how to get into casting a lot um, because, I mean, I think it's a really cool thing. And a lot of people do genuinely have like, like, I don't know, it's just a cool experience to get to like look at the game from behind the desk and um but like i think the best way to get started and it's a little hard right now since there's obviously not events is to do what i did is like just record your league challenges record your league cups and then even if you're commentating by yourself just do post commentary over them and upload them to youtube um and then anytime an opportunity presents itself like the way that i got the first time i casted a regionals was with critical hit it was toronto in the spring of 2018 i'm pretty sure yep um and they posted in verbank that they were looking for casters and i they had like a little google form to fill out like if you're interested and so i filled out the form and i had they asked for like rep like uh 
uh, examples of your casting. And I had all of these leak challenges and stuff that mm -hmm. I had recorded and put it on my YouTube channel. If I hadn't been doing that, they would have had nothing to go off of to, uh, to choose me based off of. So um, I think just d doing literally anything you can. And even like right now, like you might not be able to record a leak challenge, but you know, ask to record games of a friend of yours playing in a tournament or something like yeah. that. And, um, you know, because there's all these online events and stuff happening almost every night of the week, it seems like. So there's plenty of opportunities to to find that kind of stuff, I think. Um, and then just making yourself available whenever the opportunity presents itself. Um, you know, casting the grassroots stuff was not glamorous. It's like I'm paying my way to get there pretty much. I get to sleep yeah. on the couch of an Airbnb Maybe the TO gives us some food to like, and like maybe Love a booster it. box at the end of the day. It's like, and sometimes we don't get all that stuff. It depends on the TO a True. lot of the time. Depends on the the casting group I'm working with. So, um, you know, I said yes to a lot of opportunities where you know, on the weekend I didn't make any money, and mm -hmm. but that eventually leads to a point where, um, you know, and I actually I remember talking to. Jeremy Jallen at Worlds in 2018. Yeah, it was Worlds 2018. I told him that I was really interested in casting and if I wanted to, um, you know, cast eventually with Pokemon, like what I would need to do, like what that path could look like. And he told me, just cast every opportunity you can. And if you're good, you'll get notice. Yeah. And that's what I did. I just casted every single opportunity I could. If there was a weekend that I wasn't doing anything, and there was a cheap enough flight, and I could get out there. I would go do it. <clears throat> and then uh, I guess my name got thrown in the hat. The uh, <laughs> and uh, they invited me on. So yeah, led to that's pretty great. Awesome story. I distinctly remember actually you telling me that that anecdote. I think it was maybe Philly Regionals 2018 mm. um, about trying to just cast as much as you can. Do you remember that conversation at all? I, mean, I remember you cast. I really that don't know. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we I, the reason I bring it up is because we had talked a lot yeah. about um, over the years. We had talked about you know how do you prioritize like casting versus playing because that was something you enjoyed right. both of those things. Yes. So how did you ultimately like, come to your prioritization of the two different things? Well, I just kind of thought about what I um, enjoyed more. I enjoy both a lot. Like, obviously, if I didn't enjoy playing Pokemon, I wouldn't do it at all. But, um, <laughs> like, I wouldn't be involved with casting or anything. But, like, you know, I enjoyed playing. Um, and, you know, part of me does really miss out. If I'm casting at a regional championships, it's like, oh, man, I could have play been playing this same deck that this group of friends of mine is playing. Maybe I could have been making day two. Maybe I would be on stage for top eight. But, um, you know, at the end of the day... I think, um, you know, I think good commentary is like a really um, important path to like growth of a game and like yeah. enjoyable, like live streamed events and stuff like that. And that's at the end of the day, what I really care about is like, I, I really enjoy playing Pokemon TCG. I wish I had started playing forever ago before, like I actually started playing and I want a lot of people who, you know, watch events to get involved and start playing and download mm -hmm. PTCGO and learn about the game and so i thought that uh you know that's part of why i you know make youtube and twitch content um and you know so i think naturally casting kind of leaned into that as well but it, as far as balancing the two i kind of did have to make a sacrifice and uh i didn't get my world's invite for the 2019 world championships because i was um mostly focused on casting now i did still i will admit try to qualify i still played in like three regional championships and things didn't quite go my way um <clears throat> 
But it's one of those things where it's like, maybe if I had been playing a little more, I wouldn't have felt as rusty going in, like if I'd sure. played in previous tournaments, yeah. stuff like that. So I, f- I feel like if I uh, <clears throat> had not casted a lot of the events I did that year, I probably still would have gotten my I ended up like 60 points short or something mm-hmm. like that. So that's just a, you know, a, to- a day two at a regionals pretty much. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's a sacrifice. I was I, I knew going into the year that it, I was much less likely to qualify for Worlds. And if I didn't, that would be fine. Uh, that I would at least have tried my hardest to get my name out there. And I'm not going to lie, it was a little discouraging at 2019 Worlds, watching all my friends play. I still went to the event. I still hung out with all my friends and stuff. And at that point, still had heard nothing about the potential yeah. cast. I, I was just going to ask. That yeah. seems like something where, you know, you're putting all this time, you're putting all this money into it, and you don't really know that it's going to pay off at the end. So what kind of kept you motivated? I mean, was it that that gold of casting for Pokemon or like there had to have been some little victories along the way that just kind of kept you casting and wanting to, you know, spend this money. Yeah, no, I mean, I, d- I still really uh, enjoyed it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And, and it also helps a lot whenever like after events and stuff, I see a lot of people like, you know, telling me they enjoyed watching the games, enjoyed the games I casted and stuff like that. Um, and I, I mean, I just, and like at the end of the day too, like I still, as far as, um, casting events like you know usually still would get paid in like a couple booster boxes and stuff like that and if i drove to the regionals like technically end up plussing or like breaking even on the weekend and stuff like that which is like i think a big thing that a lot of people think about when it comes to like traveling to pokemon events is like the cost involved with it um but it just you know it wasn't really that big of a deal about that it's just you know the time i spent with my friends as well at events and it's so much less stress being at a pokemon event if you're not playing you get to, <laughs> get to kind of sure. see behind the curtains as well like you hear all your you get to hear all your friends come up to you after the round, give you your, their bad beats of why they just lost or whatever. And uh, you also get to see, like, standing back watching some of the rogue decks navigate their way through the tournament. I don't know. There's a lot of upsides to it. And so I just kept uh, kept pushing on and eventually got the call. Sure, sure. I don't want to keep you prisoner to talking about casting forever, but I do have another no, question. Yeah. And I want to know what, in your opinion, is the most unsung hero of the world of casting what is the un- most underappreciated like trait or value that you think there is in the casting world underappreciated trait. um well i mean i think generally there's kind of two roles when it comes to casting you have whenever you have a duo at least um you know someone who does kind of like the play-by-play um side of things where you're like talking through the specific actions and then you are able to toss it off to your co-caster who's kind of the more analytical side and saying you know this is why they're doing that and this is what they're trying to set up so i think um you know being really good at trying to leave plenty of room for your co-caster to still have analysis and i find myself kind of falling into that trap a lot where I I see the play, but I know my co-caster sees it too, but like I get too excited and I really want to talk about it. <laughs> so just making sure that you're always like leaving a bit of room, you know, even you don't have to mention literally everything that you see in a play and stuff like that. So I think that's a good thing to that that personally I need to work on as well still. But sure. So you brought up your YouTube, your TikTok, other content creation avenues that you have. Uh talk to us a little bit about those and kind of again why you started and kind of the state of those right now for you. Yeah, sure. So I started, so I actually, I've made YouTube videos forever ago. Like before I even started playing Pokemon, I used to, uh, I've talked about this a few times, like on my stream and stuff, but I used to collect retro video games 
And so I had a YouTube channel before I had a channel about Pokemon about that, where like it it was the thing where you would like go to like flea markets and yard sales Mm. and thrift stores and look for old games. And like, it's like pickup videos and stuff like that. So I had a channel from that. And then when I kind of like got out of that hobby and into Pokemon, I just kind of naturally, you know, transitioned into that of, uh, you know, wanted to make videos of opening packs and stuff. Cause that's how I initially got into Pokemon too, was just opening packs. I didn't even play. I was just like kind of rediscovering Pokemon cards and was really into buying and collecting cards. Um, and then as I got into playing kind of transitioned into making deck profiles and stuff like that, which at the time there really wasn't that many people doing it. It was basically yeah. just squeaky and, Tablemon, I think, and I don't want to leave anyone out, but I'm—I don't really, at that point, think there was too many other people really doing it. It was before Andrew started making videos. It was before Azul started making videos. Um, before JW started making videos. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, and I just kind of had gotten into it there, and I've definitely been pretty inconsistent over the years at like having being like a YouTuber, right? Like having a consistent upload schedule and all that stuff. I kind of just. Uh, have uploaded whenever there's like something uh i've gone through spurts where i've like uploaded every single day for like a month or something like that but it's really easy to get burnt out on that um so usually nowadays i just kind of like when i'm there's something i'm really enjoying playing i'll make a video on it and stuff like that Mm. and then um yeah stream on twitch as well and like you mentioned uh as well jw just started making tiktoks as well which is kind of like a a kind of like the zoomer social media these days or whatever but uh (laughs) Uh, it's fun. I mean, TikTok's a, I think it's a really cool um, way for people to grow. I think it's like, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but like, I think the um, easiest way to get discovered and grow as a content creator right now is on TikTok, which is yeah. uh, kind of cool. I, 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 trying, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think if you're trying to make content anywhere, like yeah. if you're trying to be a YouTuber, if you're trying to be a Twitch streamer, you should make content on TikTok too because it doesn't really take that long. It honestly does not take the most effort and it's actually, and you, you get pretty good gratification back whenever you see like, yeah, you know, it's pretty instant. I spent, yeah. yeah, pretty instant. Exactly. Like I spent an hour making this at the most 30 minutes maybe. And you know, it's got like 10,000 views in six hours or something like that, which is like yeah. a good feeling. Well, it's pretty amazing. I, I have to say your uh, your foray into TikTok has been pretty interesting because, you know, you don't post too much, but it seems like everything that you do post is pretty much a hit. You know, you have a video that uh, is your most popular one, a, hun- a million views, um, yeah. which is ridiculous. I mean, that is great. <laughs> I think your track record for kind of just hitting it right off the bat was was right on. You just got the algorithm yeah. correct like, from the jump. Yeah, and that's the big thing. I mean, honestly, about all these, like, social medias, it's just, like, finding the algorithm and trying to figure out things that work. Um, Yeah, I posted almost every single day for the first month of TikTok, but then I haven't made a video in, like, two weeks or something like that. Uh, Just haven't really, I don't know, just haven't uh, done anything. I don't know. I I know I really need to make do, but, yeah. It's kind of hard to find some inspiration sometimes, Um, you know, because I was noticing some of your uh, TikToks. It's kind of nice on TikTok to have themes, right? Because then that way Mm -hmm. you can kind of build these multi-part series. And Mm -hmm. so you had your, you know, band card um, kind of series. And that's that's really nice. But then when that inspiration kind of runs dry, you know, you reach the end of the so many band series, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. And then you got to start over. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, for sure. Really cool. 
So across all of your different platforms, is there a piece of content that you've made that you're particularly proud of, like your your shining gem amongst all of your content? Yeah, so uh, two YouTube videos kind of stick out to me that I've made that are some of my favorites. And it was one, they're the two things I've spent the most time on. And I think that's kind of naturally how it's going to work, right? Like yeah. the things you pour the most time into, you feel like really proud of the final product. I hope so. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> Most of the time. Uh, it's my, the I did a video for my top five Rebel Clash cards, okay. or top 10 Rebel Clash cards that I spent a lot of time editing. I spent like 10 hours, I think, on that video because like I, I was just kind of learning a lot of the stuff with Premiere Pro, which is like an editing software. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd used it before, but like learning kind of the more in-depth stuff of transitions and stuff like that it can take a little while if you've never done it before. Uh, and then I did a video uh, about Pokemon Unite whenever that first got announced that I spent a lot of time working on too, uh, just talking about like the news and the update and stuff like that. And that was one I like the morning that the release happened, I started working on the video. I worked on it for like six hours straight, uploaded it, and then it got I, like right now I'm looking at it five months 700 views <laughs> so it's like sometimes <laughs> sometimes you know you can be really proud of something like the work you put into it but it doesn't necessarily always equate to um you know highest amount of views or highest amount of return or whatever um you know sometimes just like pumping out a, a gameplay with you know whatever a good deck is or a rogue deck is will end up working out a little bit better than uh than you know trying to make something unique but Trying to make unique things is like uh, something I really enjoy. Oh, I I totally understand. I'm glad that you're still proud of your content, even if it's not the most popular <laughs> ones that you've made. Yeah. You know, it's but yeah, that's one of my favorites. It is what it is, right? Like your uh, clickbait thumbnail saying this deck did what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just naturally going to get more views, right? So yes, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of leads me, I guess, would be the the capstone question for this kind of content creation. Uh, discussion is just what advice do you have for those content creators that are, you know, either beginning or maybe in their early stages of trying to do what you've done? Um, you know, there are just a lot of things that I've been seeing pop up, you know, a lot of new YouTubers, a lot of um, new podcasts that I've seen pop up, just many different um, avenues that people are trying out right now. And, you know, the game seems to be growing from a content creation perspective. So can you lend some advice to those players that are new to content creation, new to YouTube, new to TikTok, new to um, podcasting, I guess, um, lend some advice there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of this advice is like stuff that I don't necessarily do well. It's like things I know know I should do better, uh, like if I was still you know, if I'm still like, and I do go through spurts where I do these things, like where I'm like trying to, you know, grow things back up. But anyway, uh, I mean, I think the most important is finding a, um, I think a lot of people will say finding a consistent schedule, but I think the most important thing is finding a realistic schedule that works for you. Um, You know, people who are like full-time YouTubers, like they're uploading videos one or two times a day for the most part. Um, and that's like kind of an unrealistic expectation to put on yourself, I think, starting out, um, you know, find a schedule of like, I'm going to upload a video once a week, I'm going to upload a video three times a week, something like that, something that works for you. And like, you know, say that I'm going to do three times a week for a month. And then at the end of the month, kind of take a step back, take a look at things and see where you're at and see like, okay, can I adjust this? Maybe increase it? Maybe I need to decrease it, something like that. 
Um, I just think like setting realistic goals for yourself like that is a good way. Um, and yeah, just like trying to like set short, set realistic short-term goals and then analyze those goals at the end of that time period and kind of make adjustments continually. Um, but like, if you have questions about like specific platforms and stuff too, uh, it's, it's like, it's honestly different. Like if you're trying to be a TikToker, you know, you're going to not sure. really, it's going to be a little different than if you're trying to stream on Twitch and stuff like that. But sure. No, I, I, I like that point of keeping it realistic and having short-term goals as someone who does a lot of project yeah. management work that like resonates really hard with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I've, awesome. I've struggled with that a lot where I've set unrealistic goals for myself. And I think at the time I like, I like deep down inside myself, I like believe I can do it and I know I really could, but like, I should just accept that it's like not necessarily the most realistic that I'm going to um, you know, post a video every single day, make a TikTok every day and stream six hours a day. Like that's just not going to happen. Like I don't have the time to do that. So, um, and so I don't know, I think just being more realistic with yourself is a, a really good, uh, an easy thing to do to set yourself up for success and also set yourself up to not just like get burned out really quickly. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. And, uh, speaking of time, what does a day in the life look like for chip sure so uh i work for myself i have a online ebay business so something i started doing in college kind of when around mm -hmm. like we talked about earlier i used to collect retro video games had a youtube channel about that um and i used to like buy and sell those type of things too and started kind of doing all kinds of stuff with that um you know when i'd go to a thrift store looking for games like i would see other things that i thought i could sell as well so i just started picking them up and uh and that kind of became a thing that i was gonna be temporarily doing whenever we first you know after i graduated college and moved to raleigh where i live now i was kind of like gonna be a temporary thing while i looked for other stuff and then uh i moved to raleigh in 2016 and i'm still kind of temporarily doing it i guess <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, just, you know, and I, so I, I spend a lot of time like, uh, listing stuff on eBay, uh, shipping stuff. Um, I used to spend a lot of time going out and looking for stuff, um, to sell, but, uh, has been a little bit less of that obviously with, uh, coronavirus and stuff like that. So, sure. uh, but yeah, it's been a little more, uh, tough to manage those type of things, but, uh, yeah. And I really, I, I've gone through spurts. So it's kind of weird when you work for yourself uh, because the amount of time you work kind of can determine your income. Um, yeah. And I've gone through spurts where I've really tried to like focus more on content creation and like, you know, I do make some money from content creation, right? But it's not a lot. Um, <laughs> and so I've like gone through times where I've like really poured like a full month into it. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to see if I can get to a point where I'm making X amount. So like I can spend less time doing this, but then when I spend all that time on like YouTube and Twitch, then my eBay business starts to suffer a lot. So it's, it's kind of a tough thing to balance. So, uh, that's usually why a lot of the time, um, you'll see, uh, me stop like uploading videos or not be streaming as consistently is because, uh, especially this time of year, um selling like being in e-commerce is like the busiest time of year right now in quarter four so no kidding it's kind of hard to to make things happen but yeah cool i mean if you had to pick a time to work for yourself the last it 10 months is probably like the time, time yeah. so <laughs> yeah no i mean there's uh, good things and bad things with it um you know i think if i had like uh hunkered down and 
you know, just got uh, my major in college was parks, recreation and tourism management. And I think I, you know, probably could have, uh, you know, with like internships and stuff, found my way into like working in the, you know, public uh, parks department or something like that here where I live. Um, And, you know, maybe uh, I would enjoy that a lot, but like, I really enjoy the flexibility of what I do now. And, uh, but there's like, you know, good things and bad things with it. Sure. For sure. Sure. So aside from the eBay store and aside from Pokemon content, what are other hobbies outside of, you know, what do you do outside of Pokemon? That's a hobby for you that you enjoy. Well, I'd say Pokemon probably still is my like main hobby. Sure. Uh, but like, I mean, I'm married, I have a wife and a dog, you know, I love spending time with, uh, with her and also my wife and, uh, <laughs> 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 but I, I love spending time with my family and, um, you know, we like to watch movies and, uh, go on walk. I mean, we, we used to like to travel a lot, but it's obviously, we can't really be doing that as much these days. Um, but, um, other than that, like I like to play video games and stuff still, I play, uh, games with some friends. I, I like to cube. I've been cubing a good bit recently on a tabletop simulator. So that's also still Pokemon related, but um, that's a, that's a lot of fun. Um, that's cool. But yeah. I actually Sorry. wanted to loop back to the retro games for a second while we're talking about hobbies. Sure. What was the coolest pickup you ever made while you're into your retro gaming phase? Oh man. Um, yeah, I, I had a lot. I had a pretty extensive game collection, like over a thousand games in That's my so like cool. little college bedroom uh <laughs> i sold it all though after i got engaged because like i was uh moving for, I, I went to school at clemson which is in south carolina and i was moving yep. five hours away to raleigh after we we got engaged um at the end of our junior year of college uh and we did a lot we, so my so i guess backing up a little bit more my wife and i we've been dating since we were in high school wow. and we went to separate colleges did the whole long distance thing for four years and so uh that's impressive we knew, like yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it was it was tough for sure at times but um you know i think uh sometimes you just get a little lucky and you kind of realize that you know you really care about this person and um you know even if it's tough for a few years that like long term for the rest of your life it's going to be worth it and i think we were both kind of realized that situ- that we you know wanted to be with the other person um mm-hmm. forever like pretty early on into college i think uh if if you're not if you're going to make it for the first, like, uh, you know, probably six months or so of being in college, uh, long term, you're probably going to make it the whole time or you have the ability to make it the whole time, I guess I should say, but it involves yeah. both people being uh, committed to it for sure. But, um, but yeah, so we got engaged after junior year and, uh, spent all of senior year, um, you know, planning a wedding and stuff like that. So I just knew that I was going to be moving to Raleigh and didn't really want to move a big video game collection. So I ended up selling pretty much everything I had kept a couple of things that I like really played and enjoyed and stuff. But, um, some of the like highlights of like games I had, like I found a copy of metal warriors for the, or maybe metal storm, I think metal storm for the original Nintendo, um, which is like a pretty obscure game, but it's a, it's a fun little platformer. Um, I got it at a pawn shop for a dollar and it's like a $70 game. There's a lot of stuff (laughs) like that where it's like you find, it's not like crazy, crazy numbers. Like, you know, $200,000 $200,000 Charizards or whatever, but sure. um, it's a lot of stuff like that, like where I'd find a game at a yard sale for $2 and it's worth like 50 bucks. Um, another one, it would be like uh, a lot of the like more expensive games are going to be like uh, cartridge based older games. 
Um, I remember finding Conker's Bad Fur Day. That was like one of my very first finds in a Nintendo 64 lot. It was $25 for the whole lot. It had two systems and like 20 games, including Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Conker's Bad Fur Day. Like, and all I cared about, like, I just wanted the the Super Smash Brothers. I this was like one of the very first things I bought. I'd never even heard of Conker's Bad Fur Day. And I looked it up. I was like, why the heck is this game worth $70? And it like more than paid for the whole lot of stuff. And that's, that was actually kind of my start into like buying and selling stuff was that initial uh, purchase. But that's um, really cool. Yeah. What was the favorite game that you got just from like a gameplay perspective, the one that you enjoyed the most? Uh, one of my favorites to play. I think my favorites to play were still games I had when I was a kid. Um, and I think that's kind of the truth for a lot of people in video games. Uh, yeah. They're like nostalgic for what they remember when they were younger. So um, some of my favorites are um, like the the PlayStation 2 Lord of the Rings games. My brother mm-hmm. and I spent so many hours playing those games, mm-hmm. like an absurd amount of hours playing those games. Um, and then uh, also... Um, one of the games I never really played when I was a kid, I guess this is a good example kind of for your question, but, um, NFL Blitz for the Nintendo 64 is maybe the most fun sports game, like of all time. Uh, and like my roommates and I in college would just jam out to that game all the time, (laughs) (laughs) um, because it's so much fun and it's like a great party game, but yeah, I mean, I think, I guess that's kind of a consistent theme, like with Pokemon too, like you enjoy the people a lot and that's kind of like, I enjoyed like those video games that you know lead me to memories with people like my friends in college my brother when i was younger all those things but for sure very touching take (laughs) i like it (laughs) (laughs) great well good um let's see we have yeah one question that i had wanted to ask um you chip speaking of people great segue here um what what are some of the most influential people in your life i always try to ask you know our guests here some kind of deeper question and uh so yeah just just who are who are people that you really are inspired by or have influenced you besides us yeah (laughs) yeah right obviously riley and jw but uh i mean i think uh, i mean this is maybe a little bit of a cop-out answer but it's kind of the truth for I mean, I would hope a lot of people, uh, but both my parents, my mom and my dad, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe a little fortunate in that I grew up with, you know, in a great family, um, you know, who cared about each other, spent time together, you know, communicated well, which I think is like one of the most important, you know, keys to success in like any type of relationship, in, you know, including a family relationship, family sure. dynamic and stuff like that. So, I mean, they taught me so much. They taught me about saving um, and stuff like I didn't even realize when I was a kid that I like have started to realize as an adult is like, you know, just, you know, good life lessons and, uh, you know, how to manage your time, all those type of things. So I think both of my parents um, is definitely a big one. Uh, when I was in college, uh, I was a volunteer with a, a Christian youth organization called Young Life. I'm not sure if either of you guys mm. are familiar Very. with Young Life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was a Young Life leader in college. And um, I think some of the Young Life staff when I was in college were really impactful to my time there. I think like people talk about high school being the formative years, which I think is like really true for a lot of people. I think for me, college was really formative for me. And so I'm glad I had like good people in my life there to uh, navigate me through that. Uh, Yeah. That's great. So are you still involved in any kind of youth type ministry? Uh, No, I haven't been since I graduated. Um, 
And that's something I would like to be, you know, more involved in. My wife and I, you know, like we're involved with our local church, um, mm-hmm. but we haven't, um, you know, really uh, gotten back involved with like Young Life and stuff like that uh, since graduation. Uh, but yeah, and it's kind of hard. Like, I think like those, those are things we've talked about wanting to do. And it's kind of one of those things. It's like, yeah, we'll look into it, you know, maybe next month, maybe next summer, stuff like that. And it just kind of gets put on the back burner and doesn't quite happen, which isn't the best thing. But, you know, I think those things are realistic and happen for people. Right. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I think especially right now, you know, when you're looking yeah, at yeah. Just, what does it mean to, um, you know, kind of put yourself with a group of, the, of other people right, right now and just <laughs> can get kind of dicey. Yeah, my uh, sister-in-law, so my brother's wife, she is on Young Life staff. So, you know, she's, you know, so we're, I guess, kind of sort of involved through her. You know, we support her monthly on Young Life staff, but, uh, you know, so we get to hear about all the great things that she gets to do there. But, yeah. Cool. Well, Riley, what do you think? Is it time for the card of the day? I think it is, JW. Very good. Well, uh, we have invited Chip to provide our card of the day so chip if you have one ready why don't you take it away the card of the day so should it be a like standard card or like just a card in the past that i've enjoyed personally or just be a card yeah any card yeah (laughs) random card generator yeah so one of the very first cards that i ever built a deck around and i think actually the first card that i took a deck to a tournament with was giratina ex from ancient origins Iconic. I was a big fan of that card, Chaos Wheel. My first deck was Giratina Vile Plume, which I don't really know how that is what I like came down to. Like you would expect someone wants to get into Pokemon, they're gonna play like just a regular fun attacking deck. But for some reason, I was like, no, my opponent's not gonna be able to play any cards, no items. Yeah, no, you're no, you're the no person stadiums, that everyone no hates. Tools, no energies. Oh man. And my very first cities, I just remember um <laughs> like turn one go like attach dce and then set up and get into all my viable pieces pass my opponent looks at their hand and passes i go attach double dragon chaos wheel and they're just like i can't do anything <laughs> i win so uh, oh, geez. yeah good times good times that's evil man <laughs> that's so funny cool yeah gear tdx iconic card awesome it's sad that he doesn't get any highlights anymore. No, no, I've, it's been. Oh, we have the Giratina uh, from Unified Minds, right? So yeah, uh, but I want the DC EX card. man. That guy is cool. Yeah, something something spicy, an ultra rare. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, we're gonna segue right in to some of the new developments in the Pokemon trading card game. We'd be remiss as a Pokemon podcast not to talk about them. So. Recently, if you somehow managed to avoid it, Battle Styles was announced for the Pokemon trading card game. The Rapid Style and Single Strike, based on Urshifu's two forms in the Isle of Armor expansion from Pokemon Sword and Shield. The Single Strike Pokemon generally are dark and fighting type and are very aggressive, doing high damage attacks, sometimes discarding energy. And the Rapid Strike forms will often be water or fighting type and are... More like tricky, I guess, is the way I would describe them. They have more like gimmicky kind mm. of attacks. Um, so, Chip, JW, what are your initial thoughts as we take a look at battle styles and their introduction to the TCG? Yeah, well, I'll let Chip uh, go ahead as the guest. First, first thoughts, Chip? 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like a uh, crazy new mechanic or anything like that. Like, uh, I mean, this has kind of been the the trend of the last few years. It's like every, um, you know, three or four sets or so, we get some new mechanic. And this seems like probably the the least, or I guess maybe the most underwhelming of those mechanics from the last <laughs> few years. Like, you know, we got Prism Stars added. That was cool. You know, I mean, even more recently, we got... Uh, amazing rares added i think the amazing rares you know while maybe not the best are are definitely unique um and this seems like uh definitely the the least unique kind of like the ultra beast you know that was kind of like the new mechanic mm-hmm. and that wasn't like incredibly un- like the, the thing that was unique about them was that all of their gx attacks had something to do with the prize cards <laughs> like yeah like that's other than that is just having that ultra beast uh the little symbols so like you could have cards like beast ball that interacted with them and th- that's basically what this feels like to me it's just kind of like a a little add-on um so you have a couple of cards that kind of look like they should should synergize together working together sure sure do you see this ever extending out beyond one set i mean i i look at it and it's probably a one and done type of thing but uh do we think that the rapid strike <clears throat> a single strike is going to carry on maybe multiple sets. I wouldn't expect it to, but um, you never know. I mean, it's obviously very much built around Urshifu, which is like kind of the flagship Pokemon of the first of the sword and shield expansion passes. Right. So I imagine, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think probably not um, outside of like Urshifu. There's nothing really that like, goes along with this theme i guess so i would be kind of surprised to see something else to be honest this reminds sure. me a lot of the of when team magma and aqua cards came out in that one unique mm-hmm. set and we're never done again this feels like the same thing to me <laughs> yeah. they're even yeah. red and blue <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, yeah i think it was uh xander perot posted a meme that was like mom can we have uh, pokemon tcg battle styles she said we have battle styles at home and it's just a part of the team aqua versus team magma because it, it really does feel like exactly like the like you said the colors are the, even the same like down yeah. to that yeah. yeah yeah for sure for sure but i think there are some cool cards within there so let's talk about the individual cards uh we'll start with jw this time and then go to chip what is your guys favorite card to come out of the new like lump of them i mean i think generally speaking they're all kind of cool i look at a card like you know i i think there are a lot of obvious ones um but for me the one that kind of stuck out to me was the mind Chow, uh with the okay. 90 damage and uh confusion and it reminds me a lot of excel gore in the past and i think it's maybe a little bit more of a balanced excel gore in the <laughs> sense that you know, the opponent's confused as opposed to paralyzed. Like, paralyzed, you can't really do anything, right? Uh, but confusion, you know, there's that 50-50 chance at, a, at a, uh, an attack on the next turn. So, I don't know. I just look at that card and saying, like, okay, that seems like they brought something back. It's pretty obvious what their um, inspiration was. But they made it a little bit more balanced, which has been, honestly, a theme recently with Pokemon cards. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think the Min Shao is really cool. I think the problem a card like that is going to have existing, especially right now. Um, I mean, like you, if you compare it directly to a Selgor, which was right. obviously like a very right. powerful deck for a few years, and like even it would kind of die off in popularity and then come back at some point, just because like some other support could come out for it. Um, 
I mean, the ability to do it for just one attachment is good with the the rapid strike energy. I think that's like a big part for it to see any potential success. I think the problem for something like this right now, though, is like so many decks are playing just like four copies of Switch. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So you can just like just get out of the confusion. And then also like, I mean, this is kind of a a throwback. Like I remember at Worlds 2017, uh, Grant, who's like a good friend of mine, but also like a very polarized individual in the Pokemon community, right? Has like a lot of really <laughs> strong opinions. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Grant, but um, he uh, he just said he could not comprehend why Espeon Deoxys, or sorry, es- not Espeon Deoxys, Espeon Garbodor was such a good deck because their damage cap, he said, unless you do something, their damage cap is 30. Because mm. they can only hit you for 30 with the, the first attack of Espeon. You know, their psychic attack is only going to do more damage based on how many energies you have in play. And Trash Lanch only does more damage based on how many items you play. And <laughs> and he said, the thing the deck relies on is confusing you and you flipping tails. And so what he said he would do is he would just flip heads and punish his opponent for relying <laughs> on your opponent uh, flipping tails. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that kind seems of like thing. a good strat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that is a realistic thing, though. Like, when sure. you're paralyzed sure. with a Selgor, you literally can't do anything. Even with me and Xiao, your opponent can switch out of it to get the guaranteed hit. Even if they don't, they can still always just flip heads, and then it just doesn't even matter. Right, right. So, Chip, then, it sounds like me and Xiao isn't your top card. What is your, <laughs> what is your choice? Yeah, well, I mean, mine might be a little bit of a cop-out because I think it's probably pretty obviously the best card, but I think Rapid Strike Urshifu VMAX is insane. I think it's going to be a Tier 1 deck basically right away. I mean, for one attachment, for just one fighting, you can do 150 damage from moving to the bench to the active, and then if you just attach the special water fighting energy, you can one-shot Eternatus. You get to just discard two energy... You discard that one attachment... And do 120 yeah. damage to two things. It's pretty nuts. Um, so I think that, that I, to me, that seems like the one that's obviously going to be the best. Um, I think maybe a different answer for like something that's a little more unique. I think the Empoleon, like the the ability, um, you know, it's kind of cool. Like they introduced the rule box thing. I was gonna um, say, yeah. But it's it's weird as well because I feel like uh, it should have been the other way around, like <laughs> for it, for it to be good, like it should turn off the rule box abilities. You know, the fact that it's <laughs> sure, sure. That, that would make the card incredible, but the fact that yeah. it only turns off non rule box Pokemon, like what are we shutting off in the format right now? I mean, Jirachi, that's not really played as much as it used to be. Um, yeah. Tapu Koko prism star that affects one deck and they can still use it on turn one. Um, so I don't know. I think the Empoleon is really cool, though. Yeah, I was gonna say Empoleon might be my pick just because the introduction of the rule box right. as like a term. I feel like people have been asking for some such term forever. I have to describe. Well, it just has a really good kind of future proofing. Exactly. Path exactly. Proofing, right. It can work. It can work really well in an expanded format. Like I almost rule don't... box. <laughs> rule box takes up way less room on the card than. Pokemon V, Pokemon GX, Pokemon EX, Pokemon V Max, Pokemon Prisms, like it's just Rubox yeah. makes it way easier. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like, you know, having that for future like Jerry said, for future proofing, you know, no more scoop yeah. up net shaman kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's like let's nip that in the bud before it happens. Let's have yeah. no easy way to interact with all of those kind of Pokemon. Um, right. 
I, I liked it a lot. I don't really care about the Empoleon itself, to be honest. It's like, whatever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the introduction of the mechanic is super cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. Rapid Strike Urshifu looking pretty hot. I, do you think Picaram will be able to survive this wave of trouble? <laughs> it's survived everything up to this point. So. <laughs> this seems pretty. Never I will say this seems pretty dire, though. I mean, a stage one that for <laughs> one energy just one shots your entire deck and like well, has three hundred and thirty eight speed. Well, I mean, you could play yeah, the Mewtwo. I mean, you could play the Mewtwo. You could play the Mewtwo. Oh no, Colossal at least didn't one-shot you if you had, like, a big yeah. charm or you can right uh, like, sure, sure, sure. I mean, and Picaram is, like, the king of just reset stamp, paralyze, I win the game in three turns somehow, you know? Like, that just yeah. has happened so yeah. consistently for Picaram over the last couple formats. Who knows? <laughs> I saw that one meme, I think JW was in it, too, that someone posted that was, like, uh... <laughs> Uh, talking about like the future of uh, like, yeah, it's like Picaram still survives. Pablo's thumbnail: Picaram hammers is still good. <laughs> Probably the truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I'm looking at the Urshifu. I, we're talking about this. It has that little psychic symbol in the bottom left. So you, know, you throw a Mewtwo and Mew Tag Team GX in your deck. You hit it with a. <laughs> I don't know. Even you can if... just discard all of your lightning type tag teams. I mean, <laughs> Zach was playing two copies of Mewtwo and Mew, so you know, oh. Oh. You could go. happen. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Any other really exciting cards that you guys are ready for from the battle styles, rapid strike sets? <clears throat> I don't think there's anything crazy coming out. Um... The, the other support cards are kind of meh. Yeah, the 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 fan card is that what you're talking about? I'm I'm talking about the scroll of fury, the tool. Oh yeah, for one energy rage yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And then also, of course, we're getting that uh, like you were just about to say the the fan where it's um you know we have finally some special energy disruption comes back to the format. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the Mustard Single Strike and the Mustard Rapid Strike, I don't think either of those is really great. It's obviously just trying to be like Archies and Maxis, right? <laughs> um, but the I think the Mustard Single Strike is definitely has potential to be much better just because you pull the card out of your deck and put it onto the bench as opposed to, right. um, you know, like Archies and Maxis, then also the Mustard Rapid Strike, you have to pull it from the discard pile. And there was like an older Maxi card, um, an Archie card, where you had to pull them out of your hand, I think. This is like, you can just search the card, which is kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. Though I do think that the Single Strike cards are overall a bit weaker. Um, you know, that's uh, that supporter is definitely much better than the, the Rapid Strike one. Sure. Sure, for sure. Cool. Well, and we had we had to talk about the battle style, so thank you for giving your takes, guys. Any other cool things on the horizon that you guys are looking out for on the Pokemon world? Any any new cards you're excited for? Developments in the metagame that you're looking at? Man, well, I guess everyone's kind of waiting to hear what a V Union is. <laughs> yeah, Chip um... had a hot take on V Unions before the cast. <laughs> yeah it's just gonna i mean that it was it's based off that the one twitter meme right it's like calyrex and uh whatever the horse thing's name is i don't even remember uh uh spectrier or something like that i think Spectrier and uh, glastrier it's probably just gonna be v it's probably there's gonna be two v unions it's gonna be calyrex and 
the ghost horse and it's going to be calyrex and the ice horse and the, the, that's the two cards and the, the ghost horse is going to be a psychic type and it's going to kill the urshifu v max <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of just the trend of how things have gone and pikram hammers will still be over good the last few years it's it's kind of interesting it's like there's one really like we had dragapult incredibly good strong card sure. and eternatus comes out sure. okay yep. dragapult yep. gonna have a hard time uh, you know, then we have Eternatus comes out. Oh, here's this Urshifu. Bye-bye, Eternatus. And then it just seems natural that we'll see some other psychic thing that's incredibly broken pop up. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, well we could just be totally wrong, and it could be just some other, like, unique Yeah, we've been wrong but... before, and we'll be wrong again, right? right? So. Yes. <laughs> here's hoping. Um yeah. Cool. So we'll open up the chat then for a couple questions. Um, if you do have any questions that you'd like us or Chip to take a look at, be sure to leave those in the chat box here. We'll take a couple of them before we sign off for the day. Um, I did get one from Azul earlier. I don't know what it's about, I but I, I feel like I need to ask it. Uh, he says to ask Chip what his full name is. He just asked it again, too. <laughs> um, so my full name is Samuel Frederick Ritchie IV. Whoa! So it's how legal. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna <laughs> so, say. Like, if you look anytime, there's it's always kind of a confusing thing too. Like whenever there's um tournaments happening and stuff, and you can see the leaderboards. My name on the leaderboards is Samuel Ritchie, and so people are like, "Who the heck is like Rahul?" I remember who's a friend of mine texted me and was like, "Have I been lied to this whole time <laughs> that I've known you, Chip? Who the heck is Samuel Ritchie?" Um, but. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm the fourth. My dad goes by Fred for Frederick, and my granddad goes by Sam for Samuel. Um, and my parents didn't want me to grow up being called like Little Sammy or Little Freddy, and so they said I was a chip off the old block. Oh, and that's where like that. uh, Chip comes from. So and it's been my name my whole life. No one calls me Samuel. Everyone in my family calls me Chip. All my friends call me Chip. That's so. really interesting. That is really interesting. So is there a plan to keep the family name going? I mean, it's like, I don't even have a choice, honestly, at this point. I'm the <laughs> fourth. Like, I, my, right. I don't think my granddad or dad would ever talk to me again if I, uh, you know, <laughs> didn't keep the trend going. But Wow. I mean, I guess you could foil the plan and just have girls. That is, if you're planning on having <laughs> an children. option. Samuela. Samuela. Like <laughs> I don't think that one's going to fly with the wife, but. <laughs> Samantha. Samantha, sure. I don't know what you're going to do with Frederick, but yeah. Well, I think at one point my dad wanted to name me Rick uh, for like Frederick. Uh, He's Fred sure. I would be Rick. Uh, but my mom, like, I think had a Rick that she grew up with that was like, she didn't like him or something like that. And so <laughs> that was off the table. And <laughs> so, well, I, Chip I worked Chip. out. Chip worked out. So we would yeah. trainer, trainer Rick. <laughs> yeah, no, it work as well i guess <laughs> super cool super cool chip you had talked earlier about your giratina vileplume deck is is that like a mainstay in the trainership lore or you just do you love like disrupting your opponents i mean not particularly i i have played my share of like control decks and stuff like that i think uh the decks overall i the the strategy i like the best in pokemon is just like uh like overwhelming your opponent with offense uh like the deck i've had the most success with in the past was uh mega Rayquaza. um 
So, I, I mean, and that's what that deck is. It's like pop off, you know, hit you for 240 on turn one, turn two. Never look back. Um, never look back. Don't think twice. <laughs> Just gas your deck of resources and don't even think about it. Absolutely. Um, so those are, the, those are the decks I've liked the best. Um, <clears throat> and, but, like, I've played my fair share of control. Like I said, I played uh, Pidgeotto Control at Atlantic City Regionals this year. Uh, same Grant and I came up with a really good list that we thought was good, and Grant ended up getting second. I got top one twenty eight, I think. I went six and three, um, but mm. I hit Nag Quag in the first round of the tournament, which is Ooh. like the only auto loss for the deck. And yeah. then I hit another another deck that played Naganadel, which is and, pri- and I still could have beaten him, but I prized two of my three custom catchers. Ooh. So <laughs> that was a quick that was a quick uh, uh, 2 start. And I started climbing back, and then I uh, lost to a Giratina, a, a Malamar player, which was a uh, uh, a close matchup, I think, if the the Malamar yeah. player played it well. Um, and we hadn't totally figured out the matchup yet on our end. I, I did beat multiple of them throughout the tournament, but uh, this player played it pretty well, and so I was unable to win that one. But the deck was... I still think, I, I, and Azul's in the chat, I know who ended up beating Grant in the finals, but uh, I still think that deck was the best deck for the tournament easily. It was, like, insanely good. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about your most memorable tournament performance, be it good or bad. Um, so I think one of my favorite tournament performances, I, I, I think, like, when you ask about that, I have to think about, like, the deck I played, because, like, I think that's how you gauge things, is, like, how much fun yeah. you had playing the deck you played. Yeah. Um, at Charlotte Regionals in 2018, I played a Zork uh, Counterbox deck. That deck was so much fun. Um, and I got to play one of my favorite cards of all time, which was Cartana GX. <laughs> uh, I think Cartana GX is wow. such a cool card. Like, the GX yep. attack, just take a prize card, it kind of fixed your uh, you know, your seven prize game scenarios against certain things. Um, um, so that's one of my favorites. Uh, also, I would say one of my favorites is not uh, an actual Pokemon tournament, but at NAIC in 2018, there was a 2006 format tournament on the last day of the uh, the event. And I won that event with an LBS list that I made myself. Yay, Palm um, of Legends. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. The uh, Apom and uh, Mag Cargo Snappy Move combo uh, was like not a thing that people had played in decks up to that point. And so, I mean, I think uh, that's one of my favorite ones too. And also because like now nowadays, when I look in Snowpoint Temple, which is the retro Pokemon Facebook group, uh, when I see people building LBS, a lot of people use that list as their reference point, as opposed to like a list from 2006, which I think is pretty cool. I always think yeah, it's, it's super fun up. to see. Sorry, DW. I always yeah, think it's super no, interesting, like how things develop, yeah. like in retrospect, yeah. right? Like what right. The, like things people didn't think of uh, at the time. That like looking back, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, this is like a good combo. They've done this. Yeah, and especially with that deck specifically. I mean, uh, you know, if I mean the deck aims to play Hall on Mentor basically every turn once you've set up to just get your cast form and your attacker. Yeah. Uh, and then you can get your APOM. So you just get basically two quick searches a turn. Um, and it's also it was basically putting the deck as a counter to uh Battle Frontier, which is a big problem for the deck because you rely on Pidgeot a lot. Um so yeah, that was a good reason for it. And um, I mean, and also like, I mean, it wasn't even the first time that like someone like I think not something you would really see a lot is people putting Mag Cargo plus Pidgeotto or Pidgeot in the deck. Uh, but Ross Cawthon did it at 2005 Worlds. He got second place 
with that with playing both Pidgeotto and Magtargo, but he didn't play the Apom. Um, but yeah, it ended up uh, being cool, and I do I really enjoy that too. Like just revisiting old formats and trying to optimize things because I think there was just not as much information shared back then, yeah. so there was less opportunity for decks to get optimized because less people had their hands on them. Right, for sure. So I think I have one last question originating from chat before we sign off for the day. And it's, you talked earlier about there's different mechanisms for different content creation outlets. I want to know about TikTok. What is the secret to TikTok success? Dude, I wish I could tell you. I don't know. I'm still <laughs> figuring TikTok out myself. I mean, I haven't been making videos the last couple of weeks for it, but, um, you know, TikTok is very trend based. So, um, and a lot of it's based on the sound used, like the sound is a big part, like basically from the first time, like you as a viewer log in to watch TikTok and like make an account, all, every single thing that you do while you're in the app is tracked. How long you spend watching a video, you know, if you click the follow button on the TikTok page, or if you click on the person's profile, like all these things <laughs> and all of these things lead to what you get fed on your for you page. And then also all of those things, depending on how often a lot of people are doing those things, when they see your video on the for you page will affect how much your video gets pushed onto the for you page. Um, and so just kind of trying to figure out a balance of that type of stuff. Um, you know, most of my stuff on TikTok has been related to Pokemon, you know, and I think uh, that's a big thing, too, is like finding a thing that works and like really sticking to it and trying to like yeah. build off of that, but then also try to do things similar to it so you can like do multiple types of things. But I mean, I'm still very new to TikTok. You're uh, in your TikTok infancy. I get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think it's uh, like I said, I said it a couple times already, but it's definitely the best. Um, way to like try to grow as someone who's wanting to make content and like just get like instant gratification from you know what you're putting out there that's to me i will say i don't think that putting pt i haven't done it yet i might try it but like sp stuff specific to ptcgo is like just probably not going to do very well on tiktok because there's like a huge number of people who are like you got to think of, and this is kind of, I guess, can go back to any type of content creation. You can think about things kind of in like bubbles. Like this is like all of TikTok viewers. And then this is the amount of TikTok viewers that are interested in gaming. And then inside of that, there's this many people who are interested in Pokemon. And inside of that, there's this many people in Pokemon TCG. And then this many people are interested in PTCGO, you know? So it's like, you're just really limiting yourself when you're that kind of, you know, sunken in. Like you yeah. can get someone who's maybe outside of the, the Pokemon bubble that's like kind of interested in like gaming in general to like watch one of your Pokemon videos, but you're way less likely to get one of those people to look at your Pokemon TCG online video, you know? Oh, makes sense to me. Cool. Well, Chip, you've been awesome. Before we sign off for today, I wanted to give you a chance to plug anything that you got. Uh, so our listeners are, will be sure to check those out. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can follow me on pretty much all social media platforms, just at Trainer Chip. Um, you know, I make YouTube videos. I stream on Twitch pretty inconsistently, but, you know, when I do, we have a good time. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I'd like to get back into I, I always I say this like at least once like every single time I make any type of video or stream. It's like I would love to stream more because I really would. But it just, you know, 
it's it's not like my job you know so i can't uh sure. you know maybe someday it'll get to a point where i want to make take a shot at it and uh you know commit to it a little bit more but we'll see but uh, yeah just at trainer chip on pretty much everything facebook twitter twitch instagram youtube i don't think i've posted on instagram in like two years but i have an instagram so there you go <laughs> and any shout outs you'd like to give as we wrap up today yeah shout outs to you guys thanks so much for having me on i enjoy y'all's podcast i you know i um <clears throat> You know, really appreciate people making content like I talked about earlier. I think content is, um, you know, one of the keys to growth of the game. And that's at the end of the day, what I really care about. I really enjoy the Pokemon TCG. I want to see more people enjoying it. I think it has so much potential to be huge. Um, and so, you know, seeing people like you guys making good content, uh, you know, makes me happy. So I'm happy to come on and uh, I appreciate you guys asking me. Well, we're really happy to have you. This was great, Chip. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Awesome. Well, guys, be sure to give Trainer Chip all of your love and support. He was an awesome guest and a phenomenal dude. So definitely check him out if you haven't already. And we will catch you all same place, same time next week. Peace. See ya. Thanks, guys.